What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We are joined, uh, of course, by our uh, super producer today, Noel Pump Your Brakes Brown. Hmm. Noel Ignition Fire Brown. Yeah, I've been... <laughs> that's a good one. I've been thinking of the phrase, pump your brakes. And, you know, uh, sometimes I will go through these phases, ladies and gentlemen, where I obsessively or continually overuse a phrase. Like, cool your jets. Cool your jets. Mm-hmm. Pump your brakes is... Uh, uh, something that really gets to strangers, if you say it, it seems kind of offensive. It's like calling someone you don't know yeah. bozo. Yeah, it's like it's like yelling at them, "Hey!" three times, like "Hey, hey, hey!" <laughs> it so, is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, with that in mind, we're we're picking ignition fire or pump your brakes as nicknames for Noel here because it's appropriate. For today's episode, it is. Yeah, we're going to be talking about some of the most terrifying vehicle manufacturing defects. So, straight from the factory, these are the problems that are, uh, I guess, pre-installed in your car right from the uh, right from the right from the get-go. Yeah, and we'd like to go ahead and point your attention to our earlier episode on how car recalls work. Uh, that has a lot of information that's more large scale, I guess, some of the calculations that car manufacturers undergo when they are assessing a defect or whether to make a recall. Yeah, and if you want to take a second look at anything that we're going to talk about today, that we're following along with uh, one of the articles from our site, from HowStuffWorks.com, and it is called 10 Most Terrifying Vehicle Manufacturing Dis, uh, defects, rather. And uh, we're going to just kind of go through this list from 10 to 1. And mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know if they necessarily go by how scary they are, because there are some really scary ones all along throughout here. I mean, there's some that are not so scary right. that just uh, have huge numbers. But we're going to stick with the scary ones, I think, today. Um, so just for an example, Ben, the, sure. right here in the intro of this article, it says that, you know, here's an example of a defect that's not so scary. Um 
1972, there was a recall of 3.7 million vehicles from Volkswagen that were built between 1949 and 1969. And the reason that they were brought back, all 3.7 million of them, was because they had loose windshield wipers. So, see, that's not very scary, right? No. Loose windshield wipers. It's yeah. an annoyance. Well, how heavy are the wipers? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I well, guess I they come saying. flinging off of there at a, at a yeah. high rate of speed. No, they're just loose. And uh, so you'd bring it back in and tighten it up, no problem. But then skip forward to 2014, where General Motors had a, an ignition switch recall uh, that gets a lot more press because it affected slightly fewer vehicles at, at 2.6 million. Uh, but they believe that that recall or that that uh, faulty product was cause the cause of thirteen deaths. So significant difference in uh, in uh, the severity of this whole thing, right? You get yeah. the, you get the point, and that's the kind of recall that we're going to be talking about today. Are the ones that um, had the potential to cause some harm if they didn't. Well, let's go into number ten. This is something that Scott and I are both familiar with because this occurred. Uh, in the sh- lifetime of our show. Yeah, at the very beginning, right? Yeah, I, back I think, when we were high-speed stuff. I think it was happening right when we started this podcast. So you may catch some early mention of this early on. I think we kind of stayed away from it. Uh, we did. We had a sponsorship going on there that uh, didn't it didn't look too uh, – well, they didn't want us to talk about it all that much. It wasn't directly with us either. No, no, it wasn't. So anyways, we, we, let's talk about this. So right. th- this is uh, this is going back to uh, – when was it? Right around 2008, 2009. Uh-huh. And – Maybe even a little bit earlier than that because um, the, the problem was here, – here's the problem. Toyota was known as a very reliable vehicle. It has been known right. as that all along, and it still is, really. Yeah, and uh, they, they do great work in safety, uh, and usually – when you hop in a Toyota, you know that it will accelerate only when you intend it to. Yeah, and so we started getting these reports, and I'm sure a lot of people can remember this, these reports of unintended acceleration happening and people calling while they're on the freeway and they can't stop. And there was kind of like a, a, a panic going on. If you had one of these cars, you were afraid to drive it. You just didn't want you didn't want anything to do with this because it sounds terrifying. It is terrifying. Right. Um, it caused 31 deaths. 31. And and this was the claim, that, that uh, these, these cars would not stop accelerating once they start going. And Toyota didn't really help itself in some of these situations because, first, they uh, said that drivers – it was user error, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Then the numbers kept adding up, and they said, well, it's a, it's a faulty floor mat. Oh, yeah. They said that the floor mat was interfering with the accelerator pedal, uh-huh. and that was what they recalled. So they would uh, bring it back in. They would fix the floor mats in 2009, and that was uh, that was supposed to be the solution. And they thought that was it, but then it just continued to happen. So in 2010, they finally issued a recall for a sticky pedal mechanism. Yeah, so 9 million cars in total were, were recalled for this, and it didn't quite go away there because in 2014, Toyota had to pay a $1.2 billion settlement for misleading investigators in that whole situation. So it cost them big in the end. It cost some people their lives as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was also, man, how bad is that for your reputa- reputation, too? I mean, just awful. It's one of those things where people still talk about it. People still remember it. We're talking about it now. Right. Um, but, you know, honestly, the most of their product is still solid. It still it still works right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they fix the problem. It's just how long does it take? I mean, you can point fingers at it. You know what? Let's not even go down that path. Let's just uh, let's go to the next one. <laughs> I just want to say, I just want to say that they still weren't as bad as Comcast, which <laughs> remains the number one least popular company in this country. I think you're right. I you're think absolutely so. right. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, so just just so you guys know, it's not going to get Comcast bad. <laughs> Can I say that on the air? I, I guess so, sure. Yeah, a little personal vendetta, maybe. Like <laughs> some, something going on there. All right, so let's move on to number nine. 
Firestone. Ah, uh, yes. Here's another one that's very recent history, and I bet a lot of people remember this, but in the 1990s, of course, uh, SUVs were huge. They still are kind of huge. I mean, more crossovers now, but SUVs were really kind of at their height of popularity right. at this point in the 90s. And uh, one of the most popular vehicles that Ford had was the Explorer at the time. Yeah, the great full, vehicle. Full-size Explorer, big mm-hmm. vehicle, really good. Yeah, a lot of people that I knew had them. And uh, the problem was... They paired up with manuf- tire manufacturer Firestone, which is nothing new in Ford's history or anything, right. but they, they paired up with them on a specific type of tire, and, you know, of course, it's a, it's a truck tire, a light-duty light truck tire, pretty big. Yeah. The problem was that the tread would separate from the steel belts. And this means that the tire will blow. So a lot of, as we point out in the article, a lot of the drivers in SUVs in the 90s, and maybe, even, you know, I'm going to say it, even today have these vehicles, but they use them just as their daily driver. Yeah, they're, they're not never, going off-road. They don't even get on gravel, practically. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's always on pavement, and, you know, you encounter a, a pothole or something, and that's about the most, <laughs> or, you know, a speed bump. And you know what's really <laughs> obnoxious? When they slow down at the speed bumps. <laughs> I know that, that that grinds your gears, doesn't that it, when it happens? That used to grind my gears so much, man. Remember when our office was next to uh, those malls, those big, really fancy malls? Yeah. And I would come back. Uh, just steamed. I was ticked off, man. It was. I, I don't see it that way. I don't see it that uh, it doesn't matter how big the truck is. It seems like they should still take the speed bump slow. I mean, that's the intended. Purpose. Well, they should slow down. Yeah, but they. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I can see you. You're formulating something over there. No, but, no, no. Yeah, you want to yell. You want to yell. Take the. I'm going to take the loss on this one. It's just. Uh, <laughs> I. I think it's. You know. It's like what we talked about with. Um, Cars that were black sheep mm-hmm. of their family. Like, if you get a vehicle for an intended purpose, of course, it's your money and it's your car. But if I see somebody in a 4 by 4 slowing down as though they're driving a, a, a gingerly gingerly scooting a Ferrari over something, it just doesn't make okay, sense. Okay, I, I kind of get that. But, and it was but, mainly Hummers. It but was I mainly also, Humvees. Okay, I understand. But it seems like it does seem that... The majority of, of off-roading is done at very, very low speeds, too. You crawl over things. You don't necessarily hit them at top speed. But regardless of uh, personal pet peeves and stuff, which, again, are entirely subjective, uh, everyone who has a set of tires deserves for them not to blow up. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And and the problem was, uh, you know, you're driving along there on the pavement, and uh, and the tire blows on you. Most of the drivers didn't have really any experience of right. what to do if a tire blows. I mean, you just it's something that until it happens to you, it's it's a foreign it's a foreign thing to you. You just don't know what to do, how to react. And the yeah. pro- here's the problem. A lot of the drivers were also in their first maybe tall vehicle. You know, not, not every driver, of course, but, you know, a lot of them were just kind of experiencing this at that height, that ride height, for the first time. So it's it's a little bit jarring when that happens, and they would overcorrect, spin the wheel. You know, in the overcorrection, the vehicle would flip over. And so right. here's the problem. Like, it was like, you know, the tire manufacturer was blaming Ford, and they were dry, they were blaming the, the owners because they were overreacting, didn't know how to handle the situation. It was just this back and forth between who's at fault for all three of those. And uh, it, eventually, it kind of came out in the uh, came out in the wash that yeah, it was a faulty tire that was the problem. It wasn't necessarily that um, uh, that it was a, a problem with the Ford Explorer design or anything like right. that. It wasn't a problem. And I guess it is you know driver fault that they didn't know how to correct the you know the situation when it happened. But but again, man, you can't expect people to. In an ideal world, everyone would know the correct maneuvers, 
But people are not expecting to have explosive tires. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it, is, that, is that like an invasive? That's not an invasive move. That's more of a defensive driving yeah, situation. Yeah, that's I a guess. recovery. That's move. something that you would learn. Yeah, re- recovery move. You would learn that in like maybe an advanced driving school of some kind. You know, like the, how to handle that kind of situation. You don't learn that in driver's ed in for basic sure. Driver's ed. No, yeah. you don't. Although you should. You really you should. should. How to how to uh, steer out of a skid? That type of thing. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people do get how to how to correct a swerve without overcorrecting, mm-hmm. uh, but or a skid, as you said. But, but this is a big deal. I mean, this uh, the, the flip over resulted in two hundred deaths, over two hundred deaths. Yeah, and six point five million Firestone tires were recalled, but Ford also offered to replace an additional thirteen million. Thirteen million tires they had to replace. Crazy, but uh, yeah, that's in ad- that's in addition to the six and a half million that Firestone. Brought back. Oh man, that's a lot of tires. All right, so you know what? Let's. Yeah. How about this? Before we go on to our our next one, let's uh, let's stop for a word from our sponsor. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously, it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you 
sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back, and uh, we're on number eight of our list, Ben. So Ford had uh, Ford had a a string of bad luck, really. A string of bad luck. That's a way. <laughs> that's a way to put it. Uh, so you're familiar with the uh, Lincoln Navigator, right? Oh yeah. Uh, the Lincoln Navigator, which I know has is divisive at times amongst both uh, fans of Lincoln and fans of SUVs, mm-hmm. uh, is the most recalled of all Ford vehicles. Really? Yeah. Oh, I I never would have guessed that. Due to their cruise control conflagration. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay, so that's what this one's about. It's about the fires, and uh, this is a big deal. Between 1991 and 2004, a total of 14.9 million vehicles, uh, that, that cruise control switch would short out and catch fire. And uh, the, the thing was, crazy thing is, you didn't really have to be, you know, you might say, well, I don't use cruise control. Right. It wouldn't have affected me. You didn't have to be doing that. They would just short out on its own and catch fire. So you could just be driving along, doing whatever it is you do, no cruise control activated, suddenly there's a fire in your vehicle. And Ford, to be clear, this is another component that Ford did not build. These were actually built by Texas Instruments. Yes, that Texas Instruments. Yep. The the folks who have had the, the same calculator that everyone uses at some point in middle or high school. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember those. Did you have one of those? Uh, you, I, I likely did, yeah. I mean, I had calculators when I was that age, you know, in grade school and high school. I was scandalized by how expensive it was. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, right. But, yeah, so they manufactured this. Uh, this was the largest recall in history. Oh, wow. Big one. Uh, yeah, what did we say? Almost almost 15 million vehicles, right? 14. Yeah, 14.9. 9. Yeah. Huge. All right. So let's uh, shift manufacturers here, Ben. We're going to go over to General Motors for a bit. How about that? Mm-hmm. All right. So General Motors had an issue with um, engine mounts at some point in their history, and it was a, a long time ago, actually. It's one of the earliest recalls, really. And it was a big one again, but the, the, the fix on this one is surprising. When yeah. you when you hear what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, the the image that's used here in this uh, in this article is of a 1968 Camaro SS, but we're talking about cars uh, general a lot of different cars that had yeah. great big V8 engines. So, understand that there's a lot of a lot of torque happening under the hood mm-hmm. there, right? All right. So, here's what happened. The engine mounts were bad. They were just simply bad. They would they would break. And, you know, that's bad enough, right? But the the under the hood, the engine would twist when you're trying to accelerate, and then it would also like it would sometimes accelerate when you didn't want to want it to accelerate because all the linkages were being pulled and twisted and in addition to that if it's accelerating when it's not supposed to be that throws everything else off and sometimes it would it would disable the brake assist right so here's the strange fix they had and i kind of like this. this is a macgyver thing i like the ingenuity of it <laughs> yeah but this is how they did things back then it's kind of jerry riggins yeah, yeah, yeah i'll say so uh we let's say you took your maybe your '68 Camaro SS or, or whatever into the dealership. The mechanic wouldn't actually replace the mounts. They would just anchor the engine to the firewall so that when the mounts screwed up, the engine wouldn't twist around. Oh my gosh, that's, and that's you, terrible! But the price was very reasonable. What was the price? Thirty bucks. Thirty a thirty dollar <laughs> fix. For something this huge, I mean, it, that could cause a lot of damage. Now, imagine that you're, you're driving down the road and your car is accelerating when it's not supposed to be, and the brake assist goes out. So you got a pretty heavy vehicle. You're trying to stop with uh, with manual brakes, probably drum brakes, if I had to guess. In a lot of cases, yeah. not every case, of course. You know, some had discs, but, but in a lot, in a lot of cases, they were 
drum break. Anyways, uh, difficult so, situation. Uh, let's continue with this hall of infamy, my friend. Uh, Toyota's unintended acceleration was definitely an issue. However, it was not the first time something like this occurred. No. For those of you that remember the 1980s, uh, the Audi 5000 was maybe the maybe one of the first ones that you heard about having this situation. And I'm sure that it happened in the past. Now, a lot of uh, here's what would happen. The driver would shift out of park and, and try to ease out of the driveway or into a parking space, or maybe into the garage or whatever. And what would happen is the car would just kind of, uh, well, again, unintended acceleration. It would just take off on its own. It was almost like it had a life of its own. It would it would lurch forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think they at first denied that anything was going on, and they said that you know, well, maybe it's the owner. The pedals are too close together, or the owners are, are putting their foot on two different pedals at one time. And uh, there were a lot of back and forth about this. And of course, the, the owners were saying, "No, no, I did it right. There's something here. It was lurching forward. It did it on its own." Um, it took them a while to get this one kind of meshed out, like exactly what happened or hammered out. Right. Um, Audi recalled the cars three times in 1982, 83, and then again in 1987. And finally, they got it right, but the problem was Audi said, you know what, we're done. Yeah, I was like, did they, get, did they definitely get it right, or did they get so sour on the problem that they quit? Because they stopped selling it in 88. They in stopped the, selling the car in the U.S. In the U.S. Now, that's so that's the Audi 5000 model in the United States in 1988 was no more. I wonder if this problem persisted overseas. I wonder if it yeah. continued or if it truly was something that was, you know, an issue with the thing. I mean, it's one of these things, like, you've heard about this, and, and there's so much back and forth, it's really tough to nail down exactly what was going on there, but um, I think they finally fessed up that there was something going, there was an issue, well, and a also, manufacturing issue. Comparatively, it affected rel- a few cars, you know, less than 400,000. Yeah, 400,000, well, that's... 389,000. I'm just saying compared to millions and millions yeah. and millions. <laughs> yeah, compared to Ford or, or the Navigator with their 15 million or right. something like that. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to something else here. Uh, this one is one that I didn't see coming. I wasn't aware of this, but it's back with uh, General Motors. So in the early 1970s, stones could get lodged between the steering assembly and the frame, and it would prevent the car from turning left. Unbelievable. This would be a, a, another just terrifying one if you were on the road and this happened, right? So yeah. so imagine just driving over a gravel road and then you, you pull out onto the main road, you turn right to get on the road or whatever. And you and try to first, correct it back. Yeah, yeah. Or the you know the road kind of veers to the left a little bit and you keep going straight right into the ditch. I mean, that's yeah. the kind of situation that could happen. Or um, I, I don't know what angle you know it held you back from, from going left or, or not, but um, man, it was, I guess it was a really easy thing for GM to fix. Um, but it had to have been just terrifying. But it was a, the recall was done in 1973, and it was pretty big. It affected 3.7 million vehicles across their lineup. So a lot of different cars were involved. Um, but man, that's a scary one. That's it's weird that uh, that could ever even happen, or how they even figured out that was happening. I yeah. mean, that's uh, that's something that just. Put yourself back in 1973 and, and imagine them trying to figure out what was going on there and how that happened. It's insane. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good that they were able to nail it down to just that. You know, this is the condition that causes it, and how, here's how we're going to fix it. Uh, you right. know, without being able to communicate with all the other dealerships quite as easy as they can now. I want to. I want to set the scene for this next one because I like the way we get into it. Okay. Imagine you're in your house in your bed. Sleeping soundly, light snooze. Maybe you got one of those little uh, noisemaker things on, mm-hmm. you know, rain yeah. sounds or oh, something. Oh, yeah, I got one of those, yeah. Very peaceful mm-hmm. time. Very nice. And you've got a Ford because uh, you're doing pretty well in life. Your vehicle's in your garage, and it's also just hanging out, just waiting for the, the wee hours to pass. 
until, that is, the ignition in your car starts itself up, shorts out the electrical system, and melts the steering column. That is some Christine stuff right there. That's scary. Yeah. And that that's scary. if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. Like, it, it could be parked in your garage and uh, and burn your house down. That's one thing. That's terrifying. I mean, it could be, you know, just the car itself catches fire or it could be parked in a parking lot somewhere you know at, at, you know if you're park at work or something and come back out and you find your car you know a little flambe uh yeah, a little carbi- yeah. what do they call it barbecue yes unfortunately <laughs> that is the word. yeah i guess so so and this is a big one too so ford put this exact ignition the one that caught fire in 7.9 million vehicles between 1988 and 1993 and then they didn't recall them until 1996. So there was an issue all that time. That's a long, long time. Crazy enough, though, no one died from this particular fault. No, thank this, God. Uh, yeah, right. from this defect, I guess. You know, this manufacturing defect. But I mean, it's very lucky. Yeah, it's very, very. It's frankly, it's bucking statistics that no one passed away. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And now we are. I was going to say without further ado, but with a bit of ado, we are going to discuss the top three most terrifying manufacturing defects. But first, a word from our sponsor. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good. And I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. They came into my office, 
opened my email and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back, and uh, here's another one about Ford and Fire, which, uh, man, seems like the trend here towards the end. And this is a recent one. Yeah, it is. So this is uh, this is affects the uh, the 2013 Ford Escape. It had fuel lines that were cracking and spilling gasoline onto the engine, which I think everybody already knows this. I mean, you pour gasoline onto a hot engine, you know what's going to happen. It's right. another fire. So, yeah. again, these, these fuel lines that were cracking and failing, of course, led to just a, a – another huge mass of fires in another Ford product. But luckily, there's one big advantage that comes out of this. What's that? We have a much more sophisticated and efficient vehicle recall system nowadays. So it was, uh, it was what, happened faster? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and only about 11,500 escapes had to be recalled. And the best news, no one was hurt. Well, that's really good. That's, uh, that's again, super fortunate with these last two situations, these last two fire situations, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is not something you want to mess around with. But, again, eleven what, 11,500 escapes? That's getting on top of things pretty quick. I, I commend Ford for doing that so quickly. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Good work. Uh, and now let's go to... Number two. Yeah, back to GM again, back right? To GM. And another steering issue. All right, so here's the deal. Um, in 1981, GM had to recall 5.8 million cars with the issue that we're about to tell you about. And um, so here's what happened. Um, there'd be an out-of-control situation in General Motors cars, and it was caused because, or it was caused by mm-hmm. um, a suspension bolt that would come loose and disable the steering column. Right, yeah, and the problem with that is... It's no longer really an issue of traction at that point. Yeah, you're just along for the ride at that point, and right? You just and hope that it stops in a nice place <laughs> yeah, and not right. a tree. <laughs> nice soft spot. An un- oncoming vehicle. Yeah, I mean, so imagine yourself in this situation. You've got like a carload of people. Yeah. Or, you know, you're carrying a very heavy load or something, and um, suddenly you're completely out of control of the vehicle. I mean, you, yeah. can, you can stop it. You can accelerate, but why would you accelerate? But you, you right. don't. But you just cannot steer left or right either way. Nothing's happening. It's unresponsive. Um, that's got to be terrifying. I mean, you, also, even even stopping would be kind of terrifying because if you're in the wrong situation, what's behind you? What's coming up behind you? Right. You're on the interstate so or something. It, let's say you do a panic stop or something. That's not always the best answer either. So sometimes you just had to ride this thing out and you know, maybe coast to where you thought you could pull over safely. I don't know. Would you even have enough time in that situation, Ben, if like just suddenly the steering was unresponsive? I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's case by case. I mean, the first thing to do if the brakes are still working is to – because, if okay, if your vehicle is unsteerable at that point, then it becomes a danger to – everything around you so if it's unsteerable and you're doing 70 or something yeah then you have to i would say you don't you can't panic stop that's the scary part you just have to try to gradually slow down yeah and not only that i mean once you do that you're stuck in traffic maybe if you're you know on a road that's long and straight 
Um, even if you're trying to push it over to the side, you would have a difficult time getting it off to the side of the road. I mean, this this really leads to a huge, huge problem for motorists. Yes. Huge problem. And of course, uh, of course, um, man, 5.8 million vehicles were affected with this in 1981. So that's a that's a big one for them. All right, the first one, the one the one on our list here, the uh, the last one, I guess. I we wonder say. if people can guess this one. You know, Scott. maybe. How about we give them five seconds to think about it? All well, right. well, I'm, I'll still talk, but I'm giving you five seconds to think. <laughs> what might be number one? And it kind of goes back to, um, well, the situation we talked about with Ford before. It is the Ford Pinto fires. Yes, Ford's most famous fires. So one of the most famous recalls of all time from 1971 to 1975, the Ford Pinto and the Mercury Bobcat ended up being recalled in 1978 because the gas tank could rupture when there was a rear-end explosion. Yeah, and the, okay, so they they nailed this down to the. Uh, I think it was a bolt in the bumper or something like that that was right. causing the rupture to happen. Yeah. And the crazy thing about this is that maybe the most crazy thing about this is that the attitude of the Ford execs at the time about this. Uh, looking back on this, they 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 went through all the numbers and they decided that it was cheaper to pay settlements to people who were already you know who were injured by this or killed by the defect than it was to redesign the fuel tank and to actually do a recall to replace it. Now that's yeah. that's pretty scary. It's a conspiracy. It, it really is. It's scary to think about that. And so you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of public outrage about this, and uh, and of course, books were written about it. There were, I mean, there were uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fallout over this issue, right? I right. Mean, Ford really took a hit as far as um, uh, popularity went at the time, and of course, the way people just generally saw, you know, well, the execs that made the decisions, of course. I mean, they they were pointed out; they knew who it was. Um, yeah, that's just a bad, bad news story all around for Ford. The the uh, the Pinto story, right? And I think it's time for us to do a little bit of a retroactive disclaimer here, uh, and that it, it is the following: car manufacturers are by no means evil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They do great, amazing things, and have factions or people at the top during certain eras made uh, horrible decisions. Yeah, clearly we see several examples of that in this episode, but. Also, building a car, we talk about sometimes, is such a tremendously complicated thing. If anything, it's almost surprising that there aren't more defects and recalls, and a lot of them are really minor Yeah, the ones that you won't hear about, too, because, you know, there's something like 500 recalls every year in recent years. And and it could be very, very minor, like we said, but, you know, with the uh, the loose wipers, or um, it could be something that's major, like uh, we got the airbag situation going on right now with uh, Takata, right? Yeah. And the, uh, you know, the the faulty airbags that are are sending shrapnel into the cabin when they explode. That's that's terrible news. Yeah. and uh, so that's happening right now as we're as we're talking, and, and more and more vehicles are being affected by that because that's a supplier that's giving that's that's using that product in many different product lines. So big big situation there, but that's all happening right now. And then there's a, just all these other small ones that you don't really really hear about. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised that there, we don't hear about more. I guess right. Um, a lot of people will get a flyer, you know, sent to their house that says, you know, bring it in. And there have been three recalls. You know, we want to change the anchor bolts on your seatbelts, or we want to uh, do something really, really minor like that. But it's important to us. We need to get it done. Right. And also with the current, um, with, with the current evolution of the recall system here in the U.S. with manufacturers, it's much better. For the manufacturer to be proactive about it. Oh yeah, if they think there's a problem with something, they're going to have you come in. And I, I, you know, I didn't mean to downplay the the anchor bolt and the seatbelt or anything like that. I mean right. that's serious. But um, you know, there's some really really minor things that you know are not safety 
uh, driven that you know they they just want to take care of because it's uh, it's on their na- their names on that product and it's out there right. and they don't want it to be ashamed of it they don't want it to be faulty so uh, again they take care of it up front and you know it's the right thing to do really absolutely um, and it's a smart move really I, I think on their part it's a good PR move you know well yes. It's not all entirely all true, is well, it? Well, that's true. I mean, it could lead to legal issues down the road that might For end sure. up costing them. And, of course, I mean, there's still, whether you like to believe it or not, even with this minor stuff, there's still a lot of that number crunching going on like they were doing at Ford. Not so much necessarily with the – I think now they know better than to mess around with that when they're, uh, you know – Injuries and deaths involved, and right. they know that it's going to happen. Uh, they, they don't do that anymore. But now um, it's more like, well, this recall, this fix of this, uh, well, again, whatever piece we're going to talk about here, maybe the headrest on a, on a car that that's a little jiggly, a little loose, or something, you know? Yeah, something um, has to. Some some kind of number crunching still has. To I would occur. think so. Yeah, but does it make sense for us to bring this back just for you know just just to keep our name you know solid in the uh, right? Uh, yeah, probably probably it is. But they, again, there is some back and forth with this uh, this formula. Right, but here's the uh, here here's the other thing this makes me think of to end on a positive note. You know what we should do? We should do a podcast on the most dependable car. Like, what is the most reliable, dependable car? I wonder if we could find that. I could already, oh, ladies and gentlemen, I could already hear some of you hopping on the keyboard to to write in about the most dependable car. Oh, the most dependable car in, in your history, I guess, maybe? That would be yeah, good. that's a good one. Well, yeah, that's that's good. Like the one that just gave you no problems at all or, or the one that gave everybody no problems at all. Like what's the – is yeah. there one? Is there one that never had a recall, never uh, – and, and we're talking about it in the days of recalls, of course, you know, since right. the uh, – NHTSA has been around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm over-explaining this, Ben. It's, let's just have people write in with maybe the car that they had the least problems with. Yeah, most dependable. And then maybe we'll do some investigating on our side and see if we can find if there's one that has, you know, few or no recalls maybe. Not your favorite car necessarily, ladies and gentlemen. And I feel like we have to say that because most people's favorite cars just have a boatload of problems. Oh, yeah. doesn't you matter. Know? doesn't matter. You're, it's, it's worth it to them, right? Yeah, I've had cars like that oh, where I, I knew it was going to be trouble, but I, I still loved it. I still miss my Monte Carlo, although it maybe <laughs> I could have been ten minutes late to everything. That car practically made you a mechanic, <laughs> you know. Oh man, you know I'm still uh, uh, I still want one of those first or second gen Monte Carlos. Oh yeah, uh, the big ones. I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know they're not the best cars. Okay, everybody, <laughs> I've read your email. I know it's not. <laughs> yeah, that will that will not be the one that comes up with the uh, least number of problems. No, it will not. But hopefully, you will let us know, uh, and maybe we can bring some of those voices to the air, so you can tell your fellow listeners. Or warn your fellow listeners. Uh, in the meantime, we are going to head out. If you'd like to learn more about the recall system in the U.S., the history and the present, and a little bit about the future, then check out our earlier audio episode. It is available at our website, carstuffshow.com, along with every single other audio episode we've ever done. Don't believe iTunes. They'll only give you, like, what, the first 300 or something? Something like that. But we have many more, and uh, check them out. If you go to the really early ones, just uh, we're still getting our sea legs. Yeah, be kind. Be, please be kind, yeah. Uh, and in the meantime, you can find Scott and I on Facebook and Twitter, where we are Car Stuff HSW. You can see some of the things that we encounter in our, in our daily rifling through the world of all things automotive. 
And if you have an episode you would like us to cover in the future, uh, you can write to us directly. We are Car Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.